Everyone well? Awesome. Give me a nod so I can see you all. That's great. Hey, welcome to Uni Hill Church. Uh, for those of you that are new and everybody else in our family, my name's Charles. I'm the campus pastor here uh, today. Uh, I want to talk to you guys uh, from a subject of uh, hear the call. Uh, but before I do that, um, I want to just do a little bit of, um, I wouldn't call it housekeeping, but I want to talk family business just for a, a little minute. Uh, we've got some sign-ups in uh, the foyer today. Uh, the reason why I wanted to put them out there today is one we heard from Marie. Well, isn't that terrific vision for our kids' ministry? I, I have three kids in this kids' ministry, and I'm telling you now that they're building layers in these kids and in the children of our community. Uh, that they will carry for a, a lifetime. You know, it was really interesting today. Uh, I, I was talking to someone uh, from the congregation, and I won't mention their name, but someone else came running over, interrupted the conversation to say, this person led me to the Lord when I was in kids' church. And I thought, isn't that amazing that it's 25 years later, and they remember. We remember. I remember when I got saved, I was at an Amy Grant concert. Does anybody remember? Yeah, that's right. I've been there. I've been to an Amy Grant concert. And, um, and then I gave my heart to the Lord multiple times after that. But that was the first time. So what we have out in the foyer today is a few sign-up uh, uh, desks. One is for kids' ministry. Uh, now, my heart for this place, and you guys have heard me speak about it before, is small act, great impact. And what I mean by that simply is that if we all carry our role, if we all do something small, it will have a great impact for our community. Uh, so two areas of the church where we need volunteers. So I, I would love for you, if you call this community your community and uh, you're able to help, uh, my goal, and we're not that far off it, is to have a five-week roster so that you only have to serve once a month. But what we need is we need people to be able to take on board with that. Your small act, your small amount of helping creates a great impact because everybody gets an opportunity to be served and everybody gets an opportunity to serve. So out there in the foyer today, there are a couple of sign-up desks. One's for the hosting and catering team. We need help in those areas. And one is for the children's ministry. So all we want you to do is come and put your name down. If you're able to help uh, and you don't serve in any other area of the church currently, we'd love you to go up uh, and sign up today so that we can engage you and we can serve the, the house together. Is that good? Uh, that's great. Everybody that's on a roster is like, yeah, five-week roster. That's the goal, team. And uh, we're getting a lot closer. We just need to keep uh, engaging that. That'll be great. So today I want to talk about Hear the Call. Uh, it's very interesting uh, when you think about this concept. Uh, uh, we all get called daily. In, in fact, uh, Chris Valentine, if you could come here. Yeah, Chris, that'd be great. Everyone, let's give Chris a hand, one of our training elders. Yeah, come up, come up. He's not dressed appropriately. I said, don't wear thongs on stage, man. No, he didn't know I was going to call him up. Uh, so I've got a few questions for you. How does it feel to be called up? Called up? Yeah. Oh, it's quite an honour. It's quite an honour. That's a good answer. <laughs> Would you recommend it to a friend? Getting called up? Yeah. No. <laughs> Petrifying. So why don't we look for a person who's not making eye contact right now. And let's do it now. Let's give him a hand. Fantastic. 
Look, we, we get called every day. Uh, there's got to be at least three or four opportunities already today where I've been called, whether it be my kids. Hey, Dad, can I have breakfast? Hey, Dad, can I turn the TV on? Hey, Dad, uh, can you come and kill a spider? That seems to be a trend in my household at the moment. They haven't followed me. They've followed April in being scared of insects. So now I have to kill everything, lie and sit on the toilet if there's an ant. Uh, it's just incredible. But I'm being called all the time. And it's interesting, I find that depending on what is calling me determines my speed to the call. Can anybody relate to that? For example, Charles, come to the dinner table. Uh, normally, it's a lot faster. I'm actually struggling with the Daniel fast uh, at the moment. Jackie said the temptations crept in. Now, I'm telling you now, mine's been about six or seven days ago. I was already struggling with it. But the thing is, normally, when dinner's ready, I hear the call, I come quickly. Or often uh, in the seasons in Australia, especially living in Melbourne, there's a lot of sporting things on TV. And when April says, hey, Charles, could you turn off the television? It's often at a pace like this. And then I forget what I was doing and I just stare. But we're often called in many, many different ways. Uh, your passion can often be related to your call. For example, if you've got a gift of hospitality over your life, you're more likely to feel the calling to become a chef than maybe a builder. Or, or if you, God forbid, love numbers, which is not me, you might feel the call to become an accountant rather than, say, a painter. There are heaps of different ways that we can be called and there are heaps of different callings that we can have for our life. You know, I used to work, everyone knows this, at a hospital. I worked there for seven years. Often you would know, we'd have people that would come into the ward and we'd call them extended stays. They would be having major operations and they'd stay between 10 and 12 days. And you would know on day one whether it was going to be a pleasure to look after them or whether it was going to be painful. And the way that you would know would be if they were a caller. Let me give you an example. If anybody ever walks through a hospital and you hear, help, don't blame the nurses. They're crazy. Because what would happen is it, you would, could potentially, the buzzer would go off, but if you're with someone currently helping them, you can't get to them. But you would know, oh, they're a caller. Because within five seconds of that uh, buzzer being on, you'd hear, Charles, Charles. And then it progresses from Charles to help, help. So this is what you need to do if you're ever in a hospital and you hear that coming, just say, they'll be with you shortly. And then keep walking. Or if you want to, just say, also, be very helpful. Everyone's laughing. More than happy for you to do that. Sometimes that's what I do on a day off. I walk through just saying that's a bit nunchery. I never would do that. So I want to talk to you guys out of 1 Samuel this morning. So let's turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Interesting time in Israel's history. Samuel uh, sees the transition uh, in his lifetime from where there was a period of judges that were governing the people of Israel and, and uh, giving them direction. And it transitioned to a, a monarch where uh, Samuel actually anoints the first two kings, Saul and uh, David. And uh, he has a part uh, in playing that. So in 1 Samuel, uh, he, he's about to uh, be born. Uh, his mum, Hannah, she is a uh, barren woman. And she's on her knees before the Lord and she's crying out and she says, Lord, if you would give me a son, I would dedicate him to your work 
for his entire lifetime. So what happens is that she has a son. God remembers her, her prayer, and that's what she does. She, she has Samuel. Uh, she, she breastfeeds him, weans him, and then gives him to, at the time, uh, the, the high priest, his name was Eli. Now, Eli had two sons. This is going at the same time. And his two sons were, were causing such great uh, uh, sin and, and, and blaspheming before God with the, uh, when, when they were coming to bring uh, sacrifices to the Lord. So you see, on one hand, this child being brought uh, to Eli to serve the Lord and Eli's own sons not doing very well at the current time. But what we'll learn as uh, we go through today is, is that Samuel had a different nature. And uh, what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 3, which is what we're going to read this morning, is that God's about to call him. And God calls this young boy and we see him begin to emerge as the prophet to Israel and as the last judge that there would be uh, before uh, there's a monarchial rule, before uh, Saul becomes a king which we all know that is another topic. So let's read today. My aim for you guys today is that you would look at uh, Samuel's uh, life in this period. You would look at some of the things that he did, the way he reacted. Now, they're only small things, but I think that they speak volume uh, about who he was and how he acted. And I think that if we can apply some of these principles to our lives, it helps us to function in the call of God for our life. So I'm going to read a whole chapter of the Bible to you guys today. Everybody say amen. amen. That was really good. That was really good. I might have to ask a bit more of that. So we're going to read Samuel chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. And every parent said, Amen. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. <coughs> now, Sam, now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told him, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then the Lord said, speak, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. And that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge him, his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned by a sacrifice or offering. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. 
He was afraid to tell Eli his vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it that he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Bathsheba recognized that Samuel was attested as the prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Lord God, we just thank you for today. I just pray that in the time that we have right now together, Lord, that you would speak, Lord God. You would speak to everybody in this place. Help us, Lord, to hear your call. Help us, Lord, to live out your call, Lord God, and help, Lord, us draw people here, Lord God, so that they can hear your voice. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, oh, you're on today, I love it. So my first thought that, uh, as I read this, I read this multiple times and multiple times and kept coming back to this uh, point. And and the first point I want to make to you guys is this, in His presence. You know, we are in a time at the moment of prayer and fasting. And for me, along with the Daniel fast, one of the other things that I have done is that I've eliminated social media and I've eliminated uh, television. Oh, man, I don't know what to do in the evenings. Has anybody else ever not done TV for a period of time? It's crazy. I'm going to bed so early because it's not just that I'm getting up earlier. I'm loving it. But what I'm doing is I have removed distraction. I've removed more of the world to make more time in my life for His presence. Do you know, the call of God starts in His presence. In fact, your, your life begins with the call of God over your life. It will end with the call of God over your life. But what I realize is that being in His presence is where it needs to start. And let me explain to you why. In Western culture, there is a trap that we all have to continually fight against, and it's the trap of busyness. Can anyone give me a wave? It's just unbelievable. Because what happens is that busyness tricks you into not being able to connect with your spouse, not being able to connect with your community, not take adequate time for rest and not be able to connect with God. Busyness, without even realizing it, can creep into your life and take a hold of it without you even realizing until you're burnt out. But those that find time for the Lord find strength and find joy. And why do I know that? Because he declares it in his word. In 1 Chronicles 16, 27, it reads this. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Where God dwells, his presence, there's strength and joy. So if you're tired and if you're worn out, the question that I have to ponder this week because I've been busy is, am I tired and worn out? Because I'm not finding time for the presence of God in my life. That's the question I've asked myself. Because in His presence, there's strength for my life, there's joy for my life, and it's available to me when I seek Him. So if we look at Samuel, 
in chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. He was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. You know, when I read that the first time, I'm like, why were they letting him sleep there? But why not? He's our heavenly father. But yet we know that as a child, obviously the presence of God for him at that time in the ark of God was a place where he had felt comfortable, where he had felt safe. We're called in many different directions. But Samuel had prioritized his resting place to be in God's presence. Where's your resting place? Where's my resting place? If I want to hear the call of God for my life, I need it to be in his presence. You know, when things aren't in your presence, often the, the message can be disrupted. Uh, growing up, I'm really enjoying this period of my life. I feel absolutely blessed to be able to serve you, serve my family. But one of my pet hates, and, and people have ever grown up in a house, is when people want you, but they're not in the room. So you can make out that they're calling you, but you have no clue what they're asking for. Has anybody ever been there? Give me a wave if you've been there. So at the moment, my kids are like, Dad, and then me being Italian, and you know, it's always, hey, we'll give it another crack. It's never come here. It's always, what was that? Hey, Dad, can you make a man? And I go, oh. So what I have to do is I have to get them to come to me or I have to go to them because in their presence, there is less external uh, distractions and I'm able to hear what they're saying to me. Busyness is the trap. It's like, it's like the environmental obstacles that can often stop you hearing the word of God for your life. God is calling you, but there is so much busyness and there is so much external noise taking place in your life that often maybe his call is being drowned out. Now, I'm not saying that God is limited to locality. He is able to talk to us through any circumstance. But what I'm saying is that if you want to lean in and you want to turn your ear to his call, it is better if you are focused on his presence and meeting with him rather than him stopping you in the middle of a situation. Because when I want direction from God, I want it clear. I want a clear conviction that He is speaking to me. And how do I take the time to do that? I go to His presence. My place of rest and your place of rest needs to be in His presence because there is joy and there is strength. And one of the attributes we see in Samuel is that he made his resting place the presence of the Lord. So I want to encourage you guys to seek His presence be in His presence. Find time to pray. Find time to seek Him. Remove external stimulation so that you can focus on Him. And He will begin to speak to you. The second thing in one of the characters that, that I found very interesting in Eli is that in the very first verse of the Scripture, it, it says this, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Under Eli. He was working for someone else. Put your hand up in this room if you have a boss. Give me a wave. And if you own your own business and someone's employed you at that moment, they're your boss as well. We all can understand 
that we all work for somebody. But what I've realized is this, is that God's calling goes beyond the position you're in right now. Yeah, I, I've noticed with God that, and we'll talk about this later, He begins to draw people who are often not even in the picture. It, it doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter. Samuel was serving Eli. And what I love about it is that young men are impressionable, aren't they? They're very impressionable. Now, Eli's sons were not functioning very well. In fact, they were blaspheming. But yet that didn't, he didn't follow them. He, he chose uh, to serve God diligently and work hard. And we know that because earlier in Scripture, it says that Samuel began to grow in both stature uh, with God and with man. And God's favor was coming on his life. Why? Because they were seeing Eli's sons and they were giving people a hard time with the sacrifices. And yet Samuel uh, was doing a great job. One was so God-honoring and people were beginning to, to be drawn to him and the others were drawing away. He was working hard and he was working diligently. If you look at him, it says this, the first time that God called him, it says that he ran to Eli. If I'm woken up, once I'm settled for the evening, I don't get up and run to who is calling me. I do it and I stomp a little bit on the way, but I don't get up and run. Eli, when God is calling Samuel, he gets up and he runs to Eli. To me, what that talks about is a couple of things. It talks to me about the fact that he makes effort. God calls you where you are wherever you're positioned, whoever you work for. But I, I am adamant in knowing this, that the call of God is not determined by who you work for, but your call of God can be affected by the way you work for them. You need to work with integrity. What, what does it say in, in Scripture? It, it says, uh, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, and not for human masters. And that's in Colossians 3.23. Whatever we do, the call of God requires your best effort. Don't think, oh, it's once I get there. Once I get there, I, I, will, I will give it my all. Do you know that every person that has done something great in the world, whether it be in business, whether it be in acting, all the gateways we know about it in the church, they were not always successful. It was a process getting there and by working hard day after day after day, being trusted with the riddle, God built something on that to see them be successful. God's call for our life starts where we are at. Samuel is a young boy working under the supervision of the priest Eli and God calls him. God can call you. So position yourself for it. Position yourself. What I love about Samuel, if we go back to even the fact that he was uh, in, in the presence of the Lord, to me that speaks of positioning, doesn't it? He positioned himself in an atmosphere ready to receive from God. Here's another observation, and I think that everybody should relate to this one. It's okay to get it wrong. It's okay. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's okay to get it wrong. Do you guys want to hear a story? This may be a repeat story. You may hear this for the rest of our lives together. But one time I bought April a Pandora bracelet. If you haven't heard this story, prepare yourself. It had scarred me. I am not a gift giver. 
But I've had to learn because April's love language is gifts. Like Pastor Nick's, I don't know what God's trying to build in me. So I bought her a Pandora bracelet. I spent hundreds of dollars on it. I got them little icons. They're not called icons. What are they called? Charms. You can see that they roll well in our household, don't you? They're a little icon. You push a button. Hey, that's a business proposition. Someone make that happen. I'll have 10%. And um, I bought her this. I bought her these incredible charms, one to represent me. It's like a love heart, love. One for Giles, like a basketball. It's really cool. Uh, Lila was a teddy bear. She was like a baby at the time. She wasn't doing anything. I'm like, teddy bear. And then um, I can't remember, Kiara. It was something awesome. It was real good. It was really appreciated. But what happened is that um, April says to me one day when we're discussing Pandora, I don't like Pandora. That's pretty clear, isn't it, everybody? I heard it has to have sentimental value for me to like it. She never said that. I made that up in my head. So I went and spent hundreds of dollars on Pandora. We were away. I'd come back from a ministry trip. I'd come back. I'd present it to her, the gift. She's excited. She didn't know it was coming. She'd seen the bank account obviously drop. She opens it and she begins to cry. And I knocked it out the park. And then she puts it on. And then she takes it off and puts it in the box. I'm like, that's unusual. I'm like, she's crying happy in the box. Mixed messages here. So I said what every young man should never say. Why are you crying? I don't like it and I feel awful that I don't like it. And then I said, I'm never getting you a gift again. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I bought a gift since. But hey, she sold it. We actually made money on it and she used it to buy a bed. Hey, listen, that's not bad. She got something that she wanted at the end. I failed dismally, but the end game is she was happy with something that I had had a part in somewhere. It's okay to get it wrong. Have you ever felt, I need to make a career change? And as soon as you make that career change, you sit there, you had prayed on it, you had pondered on it, you thought it was God, and then you get there and you're like, oh no. Or you go, no, 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 it's not a career change. It, it, it's gonna, you're going to purchase something and you get there and it's not what you wanted and you prayed about it. It was a big decision. Or something where you have felt God talk to you and you believed it was the call of God and you got there and it was wrong. Has anybody ever been there? Give me a wave. Samuel hears the audible voice of God and runs in the wrong direction three times. Three times, he got it wrong. God was there calling him in his presence and he ran in the wrong direction. Now, we've all been there. I believe that sometimes that God will speak to us, but we may interpret it wrong and we may head in a different direction, but God works all things for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But here is one of the things that Samuel did that, that I think we all could do and for Samuel's sake, it wasn't necessarily something that he had implemented in our life, but the principle we can is that when you need to make a big decision, when you feel God is calling you to do something, it is always good to have people of wisdom around you in your life. Because he kept running and it wasn't right and coming back and running and it wasn't right and coming back and running and it wasn't right and coming back. And sometimes that sounds like our life. 
But if you have a, people around you that carry wisdom, that carry knowledge, that have been around in the game a long time, sometimes after they see this repetitive cycle, they can stop and say, hey, something might be going on here. You see, the word says that Eli recognized that the Lord was calling the boy. He recognized that God was doing something and calling this young man before he had even realized. There are a lot of young people that are running around. In fact, there are a lot of people running around that believe they've got the call of God and are needing people that carry wisdom to get alongside them and, and not tell them off for getting it wrong, but actually say, hey, good job for running, good job for answering the call, but hey, here's a little bit of wisdom that may help you take a hold of what God has for you. That's why we are a five-generational church because every role, every generation carries wisdom and carries a point of view and a perspective that may be different to the generation under it. And somehow you may be able to help people not in your generation take a hold of what God has for them. An old man blind, lying down, and a young boy, opposite ends of the spectrum, opposite ends of the generation, but yet one helps the other take a hold of the call of God. It's okay to get it wrong. But if it continues to happen, I pray that you seek out someone with greater wisdom to speak into your situation. Is that good? Got another one. Honesty and integrity. I'll move quickly through them. Proverbs 10.9 says this, Whoever walks with integrity walks securely. But those who takes the crook's path will find out found out. Integrity, honesty, God's call requires that from your life. I've been in situations in my life before where I've had to be the bearer of bad news. And often you're tempted to soften the blow. It might be not the full truth. It might be not a way to uh, get around it. That, that, that is completely honest and completely true. And we're all human. God had spoken to Samuel about Eli. And then Eli is asking Samuel, tell me the full truth. But the message is actually God rejecting Eli and his household. But yeah, it says in around verse 18, that Samuel told the full truth, hiding nothing. one other thought and then I'd love to pray for some people this morning it says at the end of it that as Samuel grew God never let his words hit the ground never let his words hit the ground well what that means is that whatever God spoke through Samuel God brought it to completion and it never let it hit the ground never let it fail and because of that, people recognize the call of God on his life. You know, here's just a side point that I felt God asked me to share. It's not in my notes. It's something, you know what's cool about chapter three is that at the start of it, it says that there were no visions, there, that God wasn't speaking. And then at the end of it, Samuel says that he could continue to reveal himself through the word. Here's the thing is that when you answer the call of God for your life, 
there is a transition that can take place. Where, where it was barren, it becomes abundant. Where, where it was unclear, it becomes very clear. Where, where people were, were lost, uh, they, they begin to get hope. Because of one young boy answering the call that God had for his life. Never let his words hit the ground. Never let what he spoke over him and through him to fail. Well, in Philippians 1, 5 and 6, it says this, Because of your partnership in the gospel, first day until now, for I am convinced of this, or confident of this, that he that began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will continue to perfect it in you. He will continue. God's not going to let his call over your life hit the ground. See, here's the thing. When God calls you, he backs it up with his favor. He backs it up with his strength. but we have to act on the call. So if we could all stand for a minute. I know our time is gone, but I'd love an opportunity to pray for some people here. And we might even bring the lights down for some privacy's sake. I'll still be able to see people. Maybe go precept three, it's not too late. With every eye closed, I, I want to uh, first um, give an opportunity for anybody here today that might not have a relationship with Jesus. Do you know, in the Bible, it talks about in Romans that everybody's done something wrong. We've all done something wrong. And because of that, we've sinned, which means we can't be around God. Romans. But because God so desperately wanted to be in relationship with you, every person in this room, what happened is that He sent His Son and His Son took our punishment that we should have paid, our punishment for sin, which separated us from God. And He took on that burden. He took on that punishment so that we can be in relationship with God. And in the Bible, what it says is it says this very simply. It says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you are saved. So what I want to do with every eye closed right now, is there anybody in here today that wants to make a decision to accept the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ? They want to make Jesus their Lord and Saviour, Jesus a part of your life. If that's you, I just want you to give me a wave just quickly if there's anybody in here. one other prayer point that I want to make with every eye still closed this is to our family our community it's okay to get it wrong it's okay to pray and feel God's calling you and, and maybe you not get it God will work it out for good God will bring it back around but what happened is in that mistake in that moment your confidence was broken and you need to ask God for courage to start again. To hear His call, to run with it. 
So if that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand just quickly. I'd love to pray with you together. Amen. Yes, amen. Yep, great. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that we aren't perfect, but you are. That you are the King of Kings. That you are in control. And Lord, I thank you that where we fall short, you are there to catch us. You are there to lift us up, Lord God. And I pray for those people that need restored confidence and courage to go after what you're calling them to do. Today, Lord, I pray that you will empower them by your Holy Spirit to walk in your call, to walk in your strength, to walk in your joy. In Jesus' name. So in closing, this is what I want to say to you guys. You need to seek His presence. Work hard in the position that you are in right now. Get up and push forward even when you fail. Live with integrity and honesty. And He will see you through to meet His call. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hey, praise God. Thank you for coming today. Church again, 10 a.m. next week. If you're not serving uh, anywhere and you'd like to sign up, that's also outside today. If you're visiting, we'd love to meet you in the Connect Corner. Uh, we'll, we'll leave the altar open for a little while if anybody needs any prayer. But we love you and have a blessed week.